0: this is the gentle art of philately otherwise known as stamp collecting here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales
1: live from the stamp show here today infotainment complex this is the award-winning stamp show here today if you can dream it we can collect it Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Lord Cash, and I used to be a stamp collector. I still am a stamp collector, but I also used to be one. This is Grand Vizier Mark.
2: This is Sir Jim.
1: This is Earl Sean. And uh,
0: Mark, you have a interesting item to share. Sure. There was an article on Linz about a uh, new uh, UN um, stamp that was issued um, that... Uh, talks about uh, how to not choose extinction and what they feature is a velociraptor uh, addressing the uh, UN in the in the assembly hall they just call it assembly hall I guess instead of Grand assembly Hall or something you know
3: that's it that's what Google said
0: yeah so uh, so but this is the this is the uh, the room that has that uh, that green marble background where the heads of state stand in front of the green marble and 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 talk to the assembly of the uh, of the of the folks there so they got this velociraptor you know talking to the assembly about not choosing extinction as if the velociraptor had any choice on his extinction
1: well but he's not extinct he chose not to go extinct right
0: yeah so <laughs>
1: so he has i mean triceratops screw the triceratops i mean they chose badly right they, they chose extinction
0: so I, I don't understand the the, the philosophy of the relo- velociraptor telling the the assembly make good choices. You know what choice did he make? Well, I want to hear
1: I want to hear a debate on it. I mean, right. the United Nations is great on debates. So you should have velociraptor versus Tyrannosaurus Rex.
2: I eat them all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, how much? It, what's the face value? I mean, is it a block of four? Is it just a Velociraptor, or is it, uh, are there other uh, people talking about extinction?
0: The stamps are denominated a dollar forty-five, uh, two thirty francs, and one ninety euros. I thought uh, there's we still three have offices.
1: francs. Yeah, there's three offices. Oh, okay. Swiss yeah. franc. Yeah, Swiss is not part of the euro.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, and they were issued to the post offices at, uh, in New York city, uh, in Geneva, Switzerland and in Vienna, Austria.
1: So, uh, I mean, I don't want to get, you know, on the, we're going to piss some people off if we get really political here and discuss right. whether or not we should be choosing extinction or not. Yeah. This is, this is like big time politics here. And, and what a
0: statements. Yeah, what a uh, you know what a conundrum it is for topical collectors who think, oh, I'm above all that politics stuff, and now if you buy this stamp, you're basically saying, oh, uh, you're... oh
1: yeah, if you're a dinosaur you're collector, a side, ooh, he, now you're taking a side. I like that.
2: I'm surprised that the dinosaur isn't saying, I want to invite you all for lunch. <laughs> well, the other thing is, Velociraptors <laughs> were
1: actually like the size of turkeys.
2: Yeah, they weren't very big.
1: So how is he, i mean is he like on a big huge is he standing on the chair oh on,
0: on on this thing the the thing is standing like 15 feet tall
1: oh this on, is like on the, oh. on
0: the stamp yeah it's so steroids.
1: not only so not only did he choose not to go extinct but he chose to he like chose to get bigger increase in
0: size by He'd about 500 <laughs> percent
2: the next stamp there'll be is the uh geico gecko right <laughs> addressing the That has grown to 12-foot
1: in length. Yeah, a 15-foot-tall Geico Save 15%. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well,
1: I just got feedback from uh, David Kugel of Kelleher Auctions, and he just did his uh, China sale in Hong Kong. And so he gave me some uh, tidbits on what's going on with the China market right now. Uh, For those of you who have looked, the China market has been really super crazy for about the last decade. The um, large dragons, the first nine stamps of China, and actually it goes on to like the small dragons, like the first 27 stamps, I think it's 27. And you have the Yangtze River uh, issue in there too. They're all selling now. They used to go for full catalog. Now they're selling the large dragons. You can buy a large dragon, number one through nine, used for about a quarter of catalog. That's a big drop. That's a huge drop. And it's very interesting. I do not know the economics of China, but it's very odd that you had, would have such a large decrease in value relatively quickly like over the last eight months so uh mint is doing okay there the large dragons number one through nine in mint condition but they are being very selective now on what stamps they're collecting and giving good money for and i think that that's a very interesting thing because you'd kind of expect the opposite to occur um as people want to get out of currency and into things. Well,
0: no. maybe they are. Uh, maybe they're 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 getting away from dollars, and then uh, it's selling a lot in bricks. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> uh, What's bricks? Bricks is the, the new currency developed by Brazil. Russia, oh, yeah, India, yeah. China, and South America, yeah. South Africa. and they they recently announced that it's going to be backed by gold. They should back it by stamps, but yeah, they're they're backing it by gold apparently, and uh, and I'm not sure that this is uh, that this is something that uh, that people are going to flock to. They they, they claim that something like 40 countries are applying for membership to be able to trade in BRICS, uh, but uh, I wonder if it's sort of like that that thing with uh, with Zuckerberg, when he came out with trends, that uh, people are just you know flocking to trends only to make sure that they that they reserve their you know their handle, you know so that <laughs> so that nobody else gets you know their particular.
1: Well, also that's not exactly how currency works. Right. I mean, I hate to go into economics here, but I will real quick because it does matter. It matters also for the Chinese. The dollar. Is the reserve currency kind of over the world? About three quarters of transactions around the world are you use dollars, but how they use them is: we import stuff from China. We don't give China dollars. We they want yuan. So what we do is we buy yuan with our dollars, and then give them the yuan some countries will take the dollars but in the, in this case of just dealing with china because you know we brought it up of why are these prices dropping as the currency drops you know people change the way that they spend things and the demand of a currency is that as you import or export you have to pay in that currency so applying to be able to use bricks doesn't make any sense you don't apply to use it you just go oh i'll take a billion of them because i'm going to buy a billion dollars worth of washers you know and i'm i need to be able to buy them so it's kind of interesting that people are applying to it
0: yeah it's. It's it's an odd thing. I, I'm just I'm just not sure of any currency that uh, that's backed by South Africa, <laughs> because this is a nation that not only can't keep the electricity flowing, they n- they now can't even keep the water running.
1: Yeah, but South so, Africa does have some problems. But what are the other ones? So it's China, uh, South Africa. Yeah,
0: it's Brazil, Russia, India. Well,
1: Russia we know has some problems. Right. India, but China and India using the same currency that makes perfect sense south africa i don't know you may as well throw you know All right. rwanda in there and you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> somalia can join on too but yeah you, you want a currency that people can get so that they can buy stuff from your country and having your currency backed with something is yeah a big plus
0: yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if auction houses start taking bricks as currency for uh, for their stamp sales.
1: Well, I guarantee you that ones in Hong Kong will. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's the currency people are paying, that's what they're going to do. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Well... You also have a stamp there. You have something to cross your desk?
0: Yeah, actually, it didn't cross my desk. It crossed uh, Hipstamp. I was, uh, you know, Hipstamp has a, uh, every Thursday, they have a one-cent auction where they, they auction off, I don't know, a thousand or so different uh, items, and they all start at a penny. And then um, and then at night, you know, starting around, uh, I think, 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, um, they start, the auctions start to mature, and there was one stamp that uh, that was listed as a Scott number uh, two thirty seven, which is the uh, which is the ten cent um, uh, Columbus, you know, stamp the. Um, and Columbia the, Expo. Yeah, Columbia Expo stamp, but the problem is is that the stamp that was that was shown in the picture is the nineteen ninety two reprint. Oh, now the <laughs> reprint is printed in the same color as the as the original stamp um, but uh, you know one of the main differences be- besides the paper and the and the um, uh, and the uh, perforations uh, is that the at the top the original stamp says 1492 on the left top left and then um, uh, 1892 on the on the top right while the reprint is 1492 on the top left and 1992 on the top right so they're selling the stamp as the original, and uh, and they, they described it as having no gum, you know. So, you know, the the actual stamp was worth you know basically just face value, and it sold for uh, eight dollars and thirty five cents. It has no gum. Right. It doesn't even have gum, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, somebody, uh, you know, I mean, you know, these operations. This was uh, this was sold, I guess, by uh, by Rosenberg Philatelics who's, I guess, I think is one of the owners of, of Hipstamp. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't know, maybe, you know, one of their, you know, the lower-end workers. Yeah, they,
1: they mislauded it.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they, they got it. I mean, it literally,
1: it's impossible sometimes
0: to tell stamps apart. Right. Yeah. I
1: mean, <laughs> there's no book or anything that you can just go to and look them up.
0: Right. Well, the, the other thing is that, uh, you know, most of the modern stamps um, – these days, even the you know the ones that are reprinted, you know, from from the older-looking stamps, they'll have a date on the outside of the design. Yeah, but that really didn't start till about 1995. So, and this was a 1992 issue, so it doesn't have anything that distinguishes it other than those those three three items. The yeah, except the for perks, the color, the, the
1: paper, and the perforations.
0: Right, but the color is basically the same. It's just um, it looks a little brighter. Yeah, yeah but it, the it
2: margins is. would tip that off too. Right, I yeah. Mean, the, yeah, the, printing the, the perforation. Was... The perforations on those were done as such that there was wide margins. Right, lot wider than the 1892 issue. Oh, but a, noise, but a yeah. truly
0: a, a truly novice collector may not pick up on those on those subtle. A truly
2: novice eight dollar and fifty cent purchaser.
0: All right, so somebody somebody paid eight dollars and thirty five cents for something that is not worth that much money. <laughs>
1: well, It's worth 10 cents. You right, know. it's
0: worth 10 cents. Get a glue stick and right. stick it to an envelope <laughs> for 10 cents. Uh,
1: yeah, the, the one cent auctions I use all the time. I love the one cent auctions because selling stuff on eBay, I literally have things that have been on eBay for, I'd say, 10 years. And, you know, they just sit there until they sell or in this case, don't sell. I love the one cent auction. Because you do get a fairish price. Sometimes you get more than expected. Like, uh, I remember a couple times, you know, I'd have a stamp up for $10, and it never sold. So I put it on hip stamp, started at a penny, and it goes for $12. It's like, well, you could have bought it any time over the right. last 10 years <laughs> for $2 less.
0: Although there's other times that if they sold for one penny.
1: Yeah, I remember. I've never sold something for. Oh, I take that back. Um, I put up, and this was just, I was just testing the market. And I put up a bunch of sand dune souvenir sheets. And they sold for like, none. sold for a penny, but they sold for like between two cents and a nickel. Right. <laughs> And it's like, I have no problem with it. I mean, I was just testing the market, and you know, it's not like I paid any serious money for these. So, you know, a nickel is probably a nickel profit, but uh, that's the lowest thing. Whenever I put US stuff up, it always sells for a fair price. Mm -hmm. Um, I would suggest anybody who wants to deal with stamps do not shy away from the hip stamp one cent auctions, they are good auctions. The one caveat is. If they get too big, then your prices do suffer. But, like, you know, if as long as they're, like, within, I'd say, 700 to 1,000 items, you get good prices. I noticed once they had, for some reason, 2,000 items up, and a lot, you know, the money gets spread out more, and the prices suffer. But it still, you know, got okay prices.
0: Yeah. Well... And at the times when they have 2,000 auctions, they still try to, to time it so that the auction ends at the, around the same time. Yeah. So um, instead of every 10 seconds that an item comes up um, and, and gets sold, it's like every five seconds. And so it, it's a faster pace and, and you know, that can you know if you've, if you've got a person that's interested in two items that are right next to each other um, and they want to like snipe it at the end, um, that's that makes it really tough.
1: Yep, yeah, it, it does. How about you, Jim? What do you got?
2: Well, I brought a cover that I had purchased at um, the last Skylar Rumsey auction in um, at Westpex. And Shout out
1: to Skylar, one of the best auction houses.
2: I've always enjoyed doing business with him. And he gives you free food. He yes. might take bricks, too. He may he'll take bricks. <laughs> He probably would. Okay, so this this is kind of an innocuous-looking number 11. Um, it's postmarked in Fort Leavenworth, Missouri, and it's got a notation on the back that the letter was October 9, 1857. What caught my attention on this cover, well, there's two things. First of all, it was ad- addressed to Squire Gove Esquire. Okay, so I happen to know from my background on the history that there were two major correspondences that account for almost all of the Utah expedition, military expedition, that was sent by President Buchanan in 1857. Um, These two uh, probably account for 90% of the covers that are known. And one was from a Captain Gove, and the other was from uh, Fritz-John Porter. Okay, so when you see a Porter correspondence or a Gove correspondence, it's related to the um, military operation. Gove, G-O-V-E? G-O-V-E. Okay. Now, this this was a letter to his father, but interestingly— and and I show it to you. But interestingly, it's got Hold a Holding it up manuscript. to the
1: microphone so everybody can yeah, see it.
2: Yeah, I'm holding it up to the microphone so you can see it. But it's it's um, docketed or, or written on the top, Traverse de Lieu, Traverse de Lieu, which is French. And my limited ability on French is augmented by Google. So I went to my Google Translate, and that translated literally as through places so this in my opinion this what this was is this is a trail letter that was written in early October and sent by the military courier back to Fort Leavenworth where it entered the mail and esquire gove lived in New Hampshire so this then traveled to New Hampshire the interesting thing about that is if you study the movement of the military at that time when they arrived at fort bridger which was the outpost um, on the overland trail it had a post office but when they arrived there the people that had the mail contract prior to that were from salt lake and these guys were coming basically to invade salt lake so in july they found out that this army's coming They hurried back to Salt Lake, and on the way, they took everything, the stock and everything, the food, from the uh, Fort Bridger. So I'm not sure. I'd have to do a little more research to find out when the Army actually got to Fort Bridger, but somewhere between Fort Bridger and Fort Leavenworth, this letter was sent, which, like I said, to look at it, it's kind of— plane. Not much of a story, but this how is it station. How was it listed in the auction catalog? It was in a lot. Of, oh, so it wasn't even It individual. was in a Utah lot, and there was several um, of the military covers in the lot. That's why I bought it. And this one is just kind of uh, you know, I wasn't really interested in it at first. But I've I, Translate that into English is probably on the road or on the way or traveling through, right? And um, he, he wrote that notation on it, but the postmark is in Leavenworth, and that would be consistent because with no post office in Fort Bridger, there was really no post office between those two. So the military courier had to take it back to the military fort and then post it. Interesting. Yeah, and it's a number 11. Which Which I love. Which is right down your alley. But it's also interesting. It's paying a three-cent rate, which, you know, is proper because they were not across the Rockies. Yep. The rate was ten cents or six cents over the Rockies. but. Well, actually, then it was ten cents. That's in 1857. Yeah, 1857, you're right. So it was ten cents, but... They were still east of the Rockies, so it was three cents. So, Sean, what do you have?
3: So, I was going through some Yugoslavia, and I found a very interesting thing that was posted right next to one of the descriptions. for uh, It's overprint of Slovenia, and it says, Under Italian occupation in 1941, the western half of Slovenia was known as the province of Zubiana, I think. Uh, a, and a Quisling administration was set up under the pro-fascist German Rupnik. Quislings. And so I thought <laughs> that was on, interesting.
1: On. Yeah, we know what Quislings are because we play Dungeons and Dragons. They're, they're like the little elf guys with the horns, right?
3: Uh, this is a different guy.
2: Yeah. Oh, Quisly, Quisling was the Nazi-collaborating prime minister of Norway. Yeah. And the, he got the, the, the name has become a noun. <laughs> or, no, an no, an adjective instead of a noun because he um, was such a, it was such a notorious, nefarious deal that he did that he betrayed his country. And so, uh, Quislings are considered to be betrayers of their country.
3: Hold on. So, what country is this from? Well, this is, that's why I was interested because it actually is from the Slovenian occupation of Germany, which was called a Quisling administration. So under, again, Yugoslavia. So they made some correlation or some connection between Norway and this part. I thought it was interesting. In Yugoslavia, you saw well, Quisling.
2: That's, that's why that's why the name was used in their story, right? Quisling. Yeah, Quisling yeah.
3: Administration.
2: But the Quisling Administration just means that they collaborated with the Nazis and In Slovenia. Yeah. And in Yugoslavia. But
3: I thought that was interesting that they use that wording. And I I searched it it up online, and apparently Quisling is a word meaning traitor in other languages too, which I don't know if that's true, but I I guess it is.
2: It's kind of like Benedict Arnold. Yeah. When you say Benedict Arnold, you just
3: think of treason. Yeah. Yeah. And and Quisling's on stamps, so if you want to look in Norway. Yeah.
1: I honestly think of Quisling as Dungeons and Dragons. There are Quislings in Dungeons and Dragons. Well, he he exists.
3: They exist. He's a real guy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They might be his children.
3: Well, Uh. (laughs) (laughs) when Hitler first invaded Norway, he actually tried to coup the government, which he, like, succeeded. But then Hitler said, no, you failed. Because then he marched in and said, I'm the legitimate government. And then later on, he did... Basically say, oh, uh, I'll give up everything. I don't really care. I just want to be leader of Norway. So he, read, he he led Norway from I think forty three to the end of the war. Yeah, Quisling. Quisling. Like mm-hmm. yeah. so, so not I, a good guy.
1: Obviously, he's on a bunch of postage stamps.
3: He's on a couple. Well, one oh. of them, I think, there's a noose because he was hanged in like this castle somewhere, and oh. you can actually visit this castle in Norway. So you don't house. think
2: of the Norwegians as capital punishment <coughs> land, you know?
3: Yeah, that's how bad he was. So. Yeah, that's
2: how bad he was.
3: Quizzing, not a nice guy. Do, do not be caught a quizzing. If you're caught a quizzing, you did something wrong. Hmm.
2: Or traitorous.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Hitler also. I heard he was a really bad guy. <laughs> I, I think he was. Yeah. Don't know much
2: about history, but... I don't think Hitler ever went to Norway. He just sent a bunch of army.
3: You know, that <laughs> was... It. I, I, when World War Two ended, you see, like, everything was gone, except, like, there was a couple places holding, and... Europe and then all of Norway was still under Nazi occupation. (laughs) And there was four hundred thousand Nazis there, holding the population of three million Norwegians, and it was so there were so many soldiers occupying Norway that a lot of them would get Sundays off to play like golf or whatever they wanted to do. (laughs) And the the last place that was Nazi occupied was there's this northern island off of Norway called Svalbard, which is like just like just just Hellhole ice, I mean, it is like terrible place to be. Hey, 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 I know some real estate agents there that <laughs> will totally disagree with you. I think it's like under UN jurisdiction and whatever, because you can't put missiles there. It's like, who wants to put missiles in? Well, they can put
1: raptors there.
3: Yeah, whatever they want. And Hitler sent some people up there to build weather stations. And they just were there for like, men. they were like 53 and then they were found by some fishermen who came up there like, please bring us back home. They were, it was terrible. <laughs> so,
1: Svalbard. Very interesting history. I, I wonder if they had a post office that, you know, you could get canceled letters from. There must have been, if it was military. Yeah. So uh, if you collect World War II covers, there is something to look for. Occupation of Norway. Occupation of little weather station up north.
3: <laughs> no, they had no connection. That was why they were there for so long. Because, like, no, like, well, I mean, some person knew they were there, but it was a Nazi and he was, you know, in jail. So. so it was a weather station. Yeah, you built a weather station. So you're saying
2: it was 1953 before they got him?
3: Yeah, they, he, they were up there for a long time before somebody came back <laughs> you, up there. Do
2: you think they ran low on supplies?
3: Well, they just, like, fished. Like, that's what I was guessing. There wasn't a lot of them. It was only a couple guys.
2: Sort of like the
1: uh, story you always hear about the kamikaze pilot who crashed on some island and was rescued 10 years later.
2: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. there was some guy in the 70s that was – Finally, turned himself in 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 the Philippines. You know, actually. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was a pretty big story because yeah. he had lived almost twenty five or thirty years out in the jungles, and they said, "Didn't you know the war was over?" And he says, "Yes, but I don't surrender." <laughs> <laughs> That's standing up for your beliefs. There you go.
1: Well, a shout out to uh, Nathan G. I. Uh, you know what you did
2: we need your help nothing on the internet is free including our phone and internet connections so you can support the podcast by joining the stamp show here today club the cost is ten dollars for a lifetime membership please include your APS member number as we are an APS affiliated club your support is greatly appreciated
0: Our brand-new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You
1: left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah.
3: Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, Owen oh, and from Not Planning Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this Silk so was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show some other time yeah! <laughs> stamp collecting happens when we dream together